0: This episode of Today Maybe Forever is presented in collaboration with the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. This is Today Maybe Forever. I'm Floyd Hall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with photographer, photo artist, Natrice Miller. Natrice, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm well, so glad to have some time with you today. Do you remember your first camera?
1: My first camera, my dad bought it for me actually in college, is a Nikon N55. It was the cheapest one there. I needed it for a class. It was film, but um it got the job done. It took me a lot of places and then after that I just get started getting all types of other stuff I have a whole camera collection of vintage cameras but that that one's special to me my father passed away a few years ago so I'm glad he got that for me so in 55 nothing exciting but it did some work you still have it absolutely
0: Do you still use it
1: no it actually stopped working oh. the uh, negatives are just coming out blank so it died I wore it out <laughs> But yeah, I collect vintage cameras, so I just keep all of them.
0: We are here in Gallery 72 uh, for the city of Atlanta, uh, in their gallery space, and the current exhibition is entitled Rusty Miller, The Compassionate Eye in Forgotten Atlanta, and we're in the open air gallery space in the front window watching all of the, the people go by. And uh, just wanted to, to start off and get your thoughts on this exhibition. What did you think? What were some of your initial impressions?
1: This is what I needed to see today. You know, as a photographer, sometimes you get so caught up in your own work and your own projects. And this was very refreshing to see this. Um, I think people talk about the big names so much, you know, the Gordon Parks and all those people, but they forget that there are these names that aren't huge that's creating these amazing bodies of work. And this is is really stunning. It just shows a whole different time in Atlanta, but I think people from any geographical region could relate to this. It's really beautiful.
0: So these images were captured in the late 70s, I'm sorry, late 60s, early 70s, and I think really reflect a community or a series of communities in Atlanta that we often don't necessarily see all that often. And I feel like if you think about the 60s and 70s during that time, the civil rights movement, a dramatic you know, shift was happening in the country, but these images feel like not a departure from that, but it's just kind of a, a way to maybe see what maybe the everyday experience was like for lots of these people who were maybe protesting um, or being a part of some change on one end, but this was their everyday existence on another end. So when you saw some of the work, um, were there any specific images or or particular themes that jumped out at you? Um, What what really moved you in the work?
1: I think what moves me is The notion of joy, you know, and I think that's something black people have always gone through. We're always going through this battle of the struggle, but we still find the good even in the midst of the struggle. So like you said, it's all these things going on, these outside protests, battles, and these people are still finding the joy in their lives and not because they have all of this money or, you know, because they have it perfect, it's because it's still a choice to be happy and they still find that happiness in those everyday things so some of those images like with the boys playing rolling the tires like something so simple probably free I'm sure free they just grab these tires you know and they're playing so it just shows that innocence Um, even just looking at these pictures of so many children in there I think he really captured that juxtaposition between innocence in such an ugly world, you mm. know? It's so much ugly stuff, or was at that time, but these children, in a way, are in their bubble because they, they deal with it, but they don't have to deal with it quite yet, you know, the way their parents do. So I just think it's really beautiful how he was able to capture joy in the midst of really sad times, some would say.
0: One of the reasons why I wanted you to, to be part of this dialogue was because I feel like when I think about the notion of, of compassion or the notion of the forgotten eye, but, but more so compassion, I feel like when I look at your work, there's a sense of intimacy or compassion or just something that relates or that emanates from from the subjects that you, that you feature in some of your work. I think about uh, the Black on White series. I think about, um, what was it, the color theory no uh American color what was it the film
1: yeah with Jamal Barber Yeah, uh yeah
0: um uh with Jamal I just think about some of your work and I feel like you're creating space for communication of these really uh intimate feelings so I would love for you to maybe speak about your own work and in terms of what is your approach um to crafting your artistic statements.
1: Yeah, it's been a real journey, and I'm still learning more about myself and my work, but I have a journalism background. I went to school for broadcast journalism, so you're taught to tell the truth and get the story out, but you're also taught to a certain degree to slant things, and I think people slant things to make it what they want. And I see a lot of photographers do that, especially non-black photographers shooting black people in our stories. They're still shaping that narrative the way they want, so I try to forget some of that structure of journalism and I just really try to connect with people. You know, I just sit and talk. I don't do too much fancy stuff. I don't like a whole lot of fancy lighting and pretenses. I just really sit and have a conversation like what do you do where are you from and I just talk to people and I just shoot and usually people are like oh I didn't even know you're finished so for me it's just really a moment to get to know somebody and connect as far as portraits go as far as um, street photography sometimes I'm just a fly on the wall and I don't want to interrupt that moment but I see those things and I just capture it so it's interesting sometimes you have your approaches but you're still not aware of what you're doing in your own work and I think it just happens naturally. I'm kind of tired of the narrative of black people always being sad and in the struggle. I think it's a very large part of our story and it has to be told but there's this whole other side of our culture and our customs and the things we do that isn't told and I'm trying to go more in that direction you know, in my work and just look at our face, look at our beauty, look at us, take away the pretenses. And that's what I was doing with black on white, going up close, look at the face, connect with the person. You can't see their clothes, you can't see the background. You don't know what this person does or how much they make. And I would like people to be able to do that more with black people instead of putting us in this box, just really connecting with us because we're not you know, just this one figure.
0: I think with the black on white series you force the viewer to pay more attention to a piece of the body or the face that maybe we don't focus on as often or or isolate as easily and yeah. so when you're looking at you know the ha- you know a half of someone's face or you know their forehead and their hair or just the way that that sets up or you look at someone's, you know, from their nose down and they're smiling or their shoulders. It just, I, to me, it just makes me appreciate the uniqueness of each person, yeah. you, know, with, you know, with their, what they would maybe say some imperfections or their perfect imperfections or, or just the things that make them unique. It just feels like that series in particular is very arresting in that you kind of just stare at people in a way that maybe you don't feel comfortable staring at them if you were to meet them on the street right um
1: and i wanted to give people that chance to get up close because you can't just go up in someone's (laughs) face like let me look at your nose let me look at your (laughs) eyes so i wanted people to look at that that beauty in the larger nose or that gap in the tooth or the tattoos on the face i think it's beauty in that and people might look at these people in one way and it's something completely different and that's what I like. I just want people to be able to really connect and get their own story from it instead of just stereotyping.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier about trying to tell stories about black people that maybe aren't as well-known or maybe are not as as uh, widely explored, I would say. Tell me about the Black Debutante series.
1: Yeah, that actually really just happened by accident mm-hmm. my little sister lives in Miami and she just finished high school but she's like the cheerleader and the this and the that and very involved in a community but in Miami they have the uh, black debutante ball through Delta Sigma Theta they've been doing it since maybe the 40s or 50s her grandmother was a debutante so I went down there you know just to go as a sister and support but of course I had my camera sure. And I just fell in love with it. I didn't even know I was going to fall in love with it. So I just kind of kicked off my shoes, and I just started shooting and walking around and, you know, catching the behind the scenes. And my plan is to try to find more of those debutante balls here in Atlanta, you know, and really connect. But that's just the beginning part of it. It's just is about generations to me I just thought it was beautiful that her mother was a debutante her grandmother's a debutante her sister and just showcasing black women in a positive way you know about education scholarship being beautiful being poised and that's not I think because times have changed so much people might look at it like oh you know I'm a woman, hear me roar, I don't have to be a debutante. But it was something really elegant and beautiful about it. And it kind of takes me to this work because it was just a different time and the things that were celebrated. So it's a series I'm really excited about. I'm definitely going to be going back to Miami next year to work on it as far as, um, and in, in addition to looking for debutante balls here because sure. I think we need to celebrate our black women more. In that way you know we look at them on tv and the beyonce's and all and that's fantastic but what about the girl making straight a's in high school you know doing community service that's my little sister mm-hmm. you know so i just want a focus on that and just the throwback to tradition
0: i feel like there's a a range of I don't, I don't even want to say a range of blackness. I think there's just a, a range of of human existence um, in different communities and different neighborhoods. That, and I think within the black community, maybe we don't see these as frequently enough. So when you think about the Black debutante series, and you, you even think about the black communities in this in this work here, there's a range of spectrum or a range you know along the spectrum um, or a wide spectrum, if you will, that. We often don't get all at the same time you know in this in this series in this show we get pockets and i mean to be honest i mean a lot of what we see here is is poverty mm-hmm. in some of these photos and we see that and that's one black experience but there's also the debutante experience right where there is a different um a different context for how they're living their lives but i think all of it portrays something valuable about what we can see in ourselves. And so um, I'm interested to kind of see how, how your work evolves in telling some of these stories.
1: You know, I think travel has played a really big part. Like you say, these are just different pockets, but if you never get out of your own pocket, you can't see these other stories. Yeah. Some of these people in these really poor communities, maybe their parents are working really hard, doing the best they can, but... They don't have the money to put them in there. They don't have the contacts to get them in a debutante ball. And then you might have some, and all these people in these balls aren't rich or anything, but it's a matter of exposure. Some of those people in those middle-class homes, they may not want them in the poor neighborhoods because, oh, they're poor. Stay away. They're bad. They're hood. And that's just not the truth. We all have our different experiences. So for me, travel has allowed me to see all of these different parts and just beyond black, just seeing how people live in other countries, you know, poor in India, what poor in England looks like, what poor in Macon, Georgia looks like. So for me, getting out of my own little bubble, because I live in Roswell in the suburbs, (laughs) but I have to get out of that bubble or my work can't grow and that's how my work has grown. Um, I was telling someone how I was on the road with the circus, Universal Circus, for a whole year Mm. back in 2011 because I was going through an artist block. My money was tight, I needed to make some money, but going on the road with people from Africa, Asia, the islands, traveling to almost 40 cities, it just completely blew my mind and changed it. And just to see how the people dance, how they eat, you know, riding on buses with them, seeing New York, Chicago, living in these places, it changed everything for me. So that's when I decided I wanted to start telling more stories and figure out how to do just less portraits. Oh, here's a business headshot, here's this, and really go into something a little deeper. Travel really did that for me, and I think everyone should travel more, even if it's just out your neighborhood, out your state. See how other people are living.
0: I feel like you're always on the road every time (laughs) I I cross paths with you, either you're about to go somewhere or just got back from somewhere, and so I definitely appreciate the fact that you are able to bring all of these different experiences um, into your work and and really allow a lot of us to experience what you're experiencing uh, while you're out in the the wide world. And I wanted to ask you about when you made the transition to a full-time artist. And, and what was that like for you? what were you experiencing? what what were you what 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 in your work prompted you to say, this is what I want to do and I'm going to make this shift?
1: Um, well, I was in school for journalism and like I, said, I learned the darkroom at 17, but I didn't get into photography really heavily until I was in college and shooting for newspapers and you know school magazines. But when I graduated, I worked as a graphic designer for the Miami Times for a few months and had a few issues and I quit. I said, I can't do this. I won't go into that. But I quit and I just decided, I'm going to do this. I really love photography and I'm just going to work from the ground up. At the time, my dream was, oh, I want to have a cover of Vibe and Rolling Stone. but life didn't lead me in that direction and I'm okay with that but it was it was hard and it's still hard you know because it's such a up and down field and twelve years ago it wasn't saturated like it is now and it was saturated then mm-hmm. but because of digital it made it so much easier for people I started film and I didn't get my first digital camera maybe till like 2007 or so because I didn't have no money <laughs> I was shooting film so it was very bumpy and it was very hard but in the beginning my goal was to work with independent musicians and artists and say well you may not be Jay-Z but I can give you a Jay-Z type photo shoot I can give you something on that level and I was really passionate about that but I just didn't charge enough it's so much I didn't know so I had my struggles and it was financial but once I learned how to charge accordingly and save my money better it got smoother, you know but I also changed a lot too so I wanted to get more into the fine art side and selling a little more so it's still a journey now people say, oh that's so cool you're a photographer, it's like most of the time, but it's not easy so um, it's still a journey for me really and I'm still learning and transitioning and just getting inspired and just really finding my voice and how I want to tell these stories
0: I would love for you to maybe talk more about putting a show together because I think that photographers they shoot, you know, they, they take photos. Um, but I I remember talking to you it must have been right around the time when Black on White was was about to come out or prior maybe prior to that. Yeah. Or maybe like just prior to that point. But talk about putting together a show of of your work obviously but but I'm thinking about when you know that you have something that you want to say to the world in in a larger sense, so you've taken all these photos and now you want to present that to the world. What is that like for you? Um, how has that um, how has that affected how you think about your own work?
1: It's not easy. When you put your work out there, you're putting a little piece of yourself all over the walls. I always say that's my brain. (laughs) That's my mind on the walls. But um, for me, with Black on White, I happened to get the opportunity to show. And I had a lot because I was shooting. You know, I sat down and went over things with you. I shot so much. I felt like I had enough to weed out the good and the bad and do a small show. But... I think it's just so relative. Some people, you could sit down with one person and they'll say, oh yeah, you're ready, another person won't. So I think you just have to really shoot, 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 try to shoot quality work and just really be ready for the opportunity. I happened to get an opportunity and I took it, you know, so just being ready.
0: And can you maybe say more about the um, the community of, of Photographers, so I remember maybe the last show I saw you at
1: mm-hmm.
0: was maybe articulated, but maybe even prior yeah. to that, I, w- I would say it was maybe the Hood Alchemy show. Yeah. Um, and so I think about that show, and I think about it was a show that was mainly all photography. There were some mm-hmm. other things happening in that in that show, but thinking about the the community of of, uh, of folks in, in your circle, or even as your circle expands what do what do what do you all talk about in terms of in terms of what you all want for your careers in Atlanta elsewhere but when you all are coming together in, in, a, in a space like that show or otherwise right. like what are you all talking about
1: we talk about the greats you know we talk about those amazing photographers the Gordon Parks and the Renee Coxes and just inspiration and you know looking at each other's work and critiquing and saying this is hot but maybe if you do this or do that um oh gosh we talk about so much you know artists go on and on and on but really we we study a lot the artist friends that I have we go to a lot of shows together and a lot of the conversation is really just studying and paying attention to the greats and seeing what we can take from that, not copy, but pull from that. How are they framing it? You know, are they using words? What type of paper? What type of framing? The colors on the walls, all of that. So we're really studying together and discussing. I'll say it's like a big study group, really.
0: Mm. Thinking about this current exhibition, uh, the Rusty Miller work here, this work was essentially unearthed or pulled together by his daughter. You know, he, he had left this work behind and it was it was work that he was doing on the side. Thinking about the notion of the legacy of your work or what people may discover after a certain period of time, how do you process that when when it comes to shows like this?
1: Well, the first thing, I hope I have a child smart enough to do something like that. I think that's amazing that his daughter just understands and respects i think so there are plenty of children of artists that are long gone and the work might just be sitting there just because they don't know or they're not interested so on that side i pray i have a kid (laughs) that values what i'm doing but i don't know it's just really beautiful to me you know that something this old can come out now and still be very relevant it reminds me of the work of vivian meyer i don't know if you're familiar with her but she's a white photographer but she was a nanny her whole life she didn't have a photography career somebody found her negatives in an auction Mm. thousands of negatives and she shot all types of street photography just really beautiful work so i think it's important as photographers to try to get it out while we're alive so it doesn't take 50 years or 100 years to see it but i do think it's still a little element of surprise and just discovery i think it's amazing when these things are on earth like that
0: so speaking on on that point i think a lot of people just were taken aback by what we see of atlanta in these photos because this is a time um, not just from a civil rights context, but also from a development context where yeah. we're seeing neighborhoods that were around before some large structures were built. And so we're, if you came to Atlanta or you were born in Atlanta at a time where these structures were were, were already built, then you don't really know what happened before those structures were actually right. created. And so I think a lot of people were kind of just taken aback by this was this neighborhood at this at this time. What did, what did you learn about Atlanta um, or what did this exhibition maybe help um, color for you in terms of Atlanta in an earlier generation, maybe two or three generations prior to now?
1: Um, I think it just really has that richness that a lot of black neighborhoods have. Um, I'm originally from Miami and my mom came up in Miami in a neighborhood called Coconut Grove. A lot of people know that neighborhood, they go and party, but that's the neighborhood where Bahamians settled when they first came to Miami. So my grandmother's beauty shop is still on that street. My mom's high school, but it's getting gentrified. So I just see the the same thing going on, not just in Atlanta, everywhere. And it's just really, it makes me wonder why are they trying to erase our stories? That's what I get from all of this. And I understand things have to change, structures have to be built, but I think when they get rid of these neighborhoods, they're erasing really some amazing stories and historic landmarks and everything. So it makes me wonder, it makes me want to go on the time machine and go walk the streets with him as he's shooting and just really see what Atlanta was like when it was a little calmer you know, when it was a little more peaceful. I know it was all, all the things going on with civil rights, but it was still a simpler time. So it just really makes me want to go back and see what it's like. I've lived in Atlanta for four years. I'm not from here at all, but I've always loved it. And I see it changing little by little, and this is me not being from here. so. I wonder what these people are doing now. Some of these little kids in these photos, what do they think about what's going on, like with their neighborhoods disappearing? So it just brings out so many emotions and so many thoughts. I'm like a sucker for nostalgia mm-hmm. in general, so it's like just blowing my mind looking at them, and I have a lot going through my mind.
0: Natrice Miller, let everyone know what's next for you? What's, what's you know, on your radar as far as big projects around the corner or just things that you're spending some time with to to think about or develop what's what's on your radar what's what's coming around the corner for you?
1: Right now I call it being in the lab I am just kind of laying low but just shooting I'm working on multiple projects I kinda stay quiet about what I'm working on because it changes every day but really I'm just developing myself more as a photographer Unlearning a lot of things that may have caused issues in the past, but I'm really just learning how to tell stories better and learning my style, learning more about my camera, just learning. I'm in a development phase, and people think because you've been doing something for a long time, you're at the top. It's like, no, I'm still learning. So for me, I'm working on like three or four projects. Right now, some portrait projects, some more, um, you know, documentary photojournalism projects. So I'll just say I'm in the lab (laughs) and um, I'm just, I'm excited. And I really, I'm so glad I saw this today. It makes me want to pull my camera out and walk the streets of Atlanta.
0: (laughs) Natrice Miller, let everyone know how they can be in contact with you and follow your journey as you release all these projects from the lab.
1: Yeah, follow me on the gram, Instagram at natrice.miller and, of course, my website, natricemiller.com.
0: Natrice, thank you for your time.
1: Thank you for having me, Floyd.